Well, if you would, turn to Acts chapter 22, either in your bulletin, in your Bible, your Bible app, if you prefer. We are beginning to look at Paul's little letter to the Ephesians today, but we're going to look at Paul himself. It is amazing as I've been studying Ephesians how many of the themes that come up in Paul's story about his own conversion and coming to Christ, Christ coming to him, uh, the themes of his own story show up in his letter to the Ephesians. And one of those themes in particular is revelation. Um, in fact, that's why he wrote the letter to the Ephesians. He wanted them uh, to understand the revelation of who Jesus is and then respond to it accordingly as his people, as his body. And uh, I think you'll find that uh, fascinating as we go through this little letter together. But I want to read to you first the first two verses of Ephesians, and then uh, we'll read together Paul's own telling of the story of how Jesus revealed himself to Paul. And by the way, I will sometimes call him Paul. I will sometimes call him Saul. It's confusing, and I can't help it. It just is the way it's going to be. So Saul was his good Hebrew name, um, and Paul was his good Greek name. So he goes by both, so I, I'll interchange them as we go. But I'm talking about the same person. Would you stand with me as we hear Paul's own confession of Jesus, as we hear the word of the God who loves us? First from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And now Paul's own story from Acts 22, as he has an opportunity to share it with a group of Jewish brothers and sisters uh, moments after Paul has been beaten for preaching the gospel. He asked for this opportunity to speak to them, and he addressed them in Aramaic, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, Jerusalem, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them, I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. 
As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me, he said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness to him, to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And when I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and I saw him, Jesus, saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in, in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go. For I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Father, so much here and so little time. Would you help us? Would you help us to see what, what you would have for us today? Help us to see Jesus. Would you, through your word, reveal him to us? We thank you that we have uh, this testimony from Paul uh, recorded by Luke, uh, passed down to us uh, so that we could see Jesus through Paul's eyes and embrace him like he did. Would you help us to do that? Maybe some of us for the first time this morning, but for many of us, we need to embrace him again. Would you show him to us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. You know, last week, we looked at that sinner woman who visited the house of Simon the Pharisee as Jesus was reclined at table eating with Simon. And you'll remember she had that reputation of being a sinner in the city, most likely some sort of adulterous woman. Her reputation preceded her. But she had 
come into contact with the preaching of Jesus, the preaching of himself as the Messiah who came to offer forgiveness to sinners like her, the one who said, come all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And she, she saw him for who he was as the promised one. She saw him as the one who could forgive. She saw him as the one who could give her rest and she embraced him and she came back to that dinner to pour out her heart and her perfume and her tears to worship him, to honor him, to thank him for calling an unlikely person like her to see who he is. Paul's story is about Jesus revealing himself to unlikely people. Jesus did it all the time, but, but Paul, like Simon the Pharisee, Paul was a Pharisee, Paul might not have considered himself an unlikely person. He may have considered himself worthy to be one of the ones to see the Messiah for the first time, to see the Messiah in the flesh. And yet, from Paul's testimony, both here and throughout his letters, we understand that Paul considered himself to be more like that woman, an unlikely person to whom Jesus would show his glory. And so this morning, as we look at Paul's uh, own telling of the story of meeting Jesus, I, I, I'm thinking about that. Jesus reveals himself to the most unlikely people. And I have four questions I want us to answer this morning. One is, why was Saul an unlikely person? Why did he consider himself to be an unlikely person to see Jesus? And then the second question is, how did Jesus reveal himself to such an unlikely person? The third question is, why would Jesus reveal himself to unlikely people like Paul? And the last question is, what changed about this unlikely person after he saw Jesus? So, so first of all, why, why is Paul unlikely? Why was he an unlikely person? And who are these unlikely people Jesus reveals himself to? Well, notice first of all, that Paul said in verse two that he was a Jew, he was a Pharisee. Uh, verse three, I'm sorry. Paul goes to great pains here to connect with his uh, Hebrew brothers and brothers and sisters or brothers and fathers, as he called him, called them to help them understand that he is a Jew just like them, passionate for God. He says, I am a Jew. I was born in Tarsus and Cilicia, but brought up in Jerusalem, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, who was a famous rabbi, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are today. You see, Paul didn't, Paul was an unlikely person uh, to see Jesus and to embrace him because Paul didn't think Jesus fit into the narrative in which he lived. The Pharisees, the leaders of the people had rejected Jesus. No Messiah would be crucified on a Roman cross. This doesn't make sense. We all know that this is part of why they struggled with him, but 
Paul was unlikely, an unlikely person for Jesus to reveal himself to because Paul just didn't think Jesus would fit into the story of God's people. And Paul didn't think he needed Jesus in order to be right with God. He was already zealous for God. He was already a, a moral person. In fact, as a Pharisee, he was as moral as they come. He said in Philippians that he was blameless according to the law. Paul didn't think he needed Jesus in order to be right with God or that Jesus would make him any more moral. It was unlikely that Jesus would reveal himself to someone like that, isn't it? And then in verse 4, we find out that Paul was an enemy of Jesus and his followers. He said, I persecuted this way. That's what they called the Christian movement was the way. I persecuted them to the death. And Jesus even acknowledged that he was persecuting him by persecuting his people. He was an enemy of God. Why would Jesus want to reveal himself to one of his arch enemies? And then the fourth thing I thought of as I was looking at this this morning was that Paul didn't want Jesus. He didn't want to believe Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, why would Jesus reveal himself to someone who doesn't want him? As he described himself in Ephesians, he says, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. In other words, it wasn't my will. It was his. It was not my desire to be an apostle. I became one by the will of God. Paul didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose him. So Paul is an unlikely person for Jesus to come to and show himself to and choose to become one of his uh, apostles. And I wonder if, if any of these descriptions of Paul fit us this morning, fit you, describe you. Perhaps you, you say, well, Jesus doesn't fit into the way I understand the story of how life works or how the world works. Jesus just doesn't make sense. So why would he want to reveal himself to somebody like me if I don't, I don't even think he makes sense in the world? Or perhaps you're someone who says, uh, thanks, Jesus, but I'm good. Literally, I'm good. I don't need to believe that Jesus is alive or that he's God in order to be a good moral person. Perhaps you think it's ridiculous to believe in this Jesus and that you think those who follow him are ridiculous. In other words, ridiculous means it should be ridiculed. Perhaps you consider yourself an enemy of Jesus and those who follow him. Or then maybe like Paul, to be honest, you just don't want Jesus. You don't have any desire to know him or to follow him, honestly. Now, all of these may make you think you're an unlikely person to see Jesus, but, but that won't keep Jesus from revealing who he is to you. It didn't keep Jesus from pursuing Paul. In fact, perhaps all of those things drew his heart to Paul. The truth is, we're all unlikely people. <laughs> the truth is, none of us deserve to have Jesus show himself to us. 
Paul said it when he said, no one seeks God, no one wants God. We have all turned away. We've all turned aside. We're all unlikely people. But then the question is, how did Jesus reveal himself to this unlikely Paul? How does he reveal himself to unlikely people like us? Just a couple of observations. Jesus showed Saul the patient, slow-to-anger heart of God toward him. Now, as a rabbi who knew the Old Testament scriptures, the Old Testament were their scriptures, Paul knew, and I've talked about this several times this summer because I'm, I'm noticing it pop up and again in, in the Psalms and in other places like the Minor Prophets, Jonah, for example. Uh, Exodus 34, when God spoke to Moses and revealed to Moses who he was, who God was, these were the words that he said when he passed before Moses. He proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, in other words, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Remember, we've said before that this description of the heart of God is that God is about to burst with mercy and love and compassion and grace and faithfulness. But it takes a lot to provoke him to anger. He's slow to anger. And what I believe Jesus is doing with this rabbi who knows this, these verses by heart and knows this is the description of the heart of his God, I think Jesus is coming and has shown Paul this in his own patience with Paul. Now, he could have snuffed him out a long time ago, but he has continued to be patient with him. Paul said it himself in 1 Timothy 1. He said, formerly, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent of God, of Jesus. But I have received mercy because I acted in ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He, he's saying all these words from Exodus 34, I received mercy and grace, the grace of our Lord overflowed for me. The faithfulness and love that are in Christ Jesus overflowed for me, he says. So how does God reveal himself through Jesus to Paul? He reveals himself as Yahweh, the God of Moses, whose heart is great big with mercy and slow to anger. He's been patiently pursuing Paul. Paul even says uh, in another place where he tells this story again in Acts 26, Paul said, when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me, in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. This is the only place in all three of the accounts of Paul's uh, seeing Jesus that the words, it is hard for you to kick against the goads comes. He includes it there in chapter 26. What are goads? <laughs> They're sticks that were sharpened on the end that shepherds would use to 
prod the sheep to get them to go in the way they wanted, they wanted them to go. Jesus was saying to Paul, I have been goading you, Paul, and you keep resisting. It's done. It's time for you to see me. Stop kicking against the goads, Paul. I'm here. So apparently Jesus had been prodding Paul before this time, and Paul was putting up a fight, but Jesus didn't destroy him. He was patient with him, and finally, when the time was right, Jesus broke him and stopped him in his tracks. Jesus used physical blindness to reveal Paul's spiritual blindness, to show Paul that he was not fighting for God, but against him this whole time. All that zeal that he had for God was actually zeal against him because he was against Jesus. Tim Keller said this. He said, you're not a Christian and you don't get converted until you start to see that you've personally been fighting and attacking the one who died for you. Jesus said to Paul, me, why are you attacking me? And maybe all your life you've been dealing with your conscience and saying, well, I, I just need to be better. I need to be obeying the Ten Commandments better. Keller says, when you become a, Christ, you become a Christian, when you realize that it's a personal thing between you and Jesus, not just a matter of you being good. When you realize you've been fighting all your life against the one who died for you. And so how does Jesus reveal himself to unlikely people? He's patient. But he, he, will, he will bring it to a head when it's time. And when Jesus had Paul's attention, when he showed Paul that his biggest problem was that he was an enemy of God, then Jesus revealed himself to be the one that God had promised would be crucified for his enemies and raised to life so that they could have new life in him. Precisely at the time when Jesus convinced Paul that he was his enemy, he revealed, to him, he revealed himself as the one who died for his enemies and lives to give them new life. This Jesus is the Messiah King Paul and his people had been looking and longing for all along. So that's why in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says to the Corinthian church, he says, and he's describing who this Jesus is. He says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. How did Jesus reveal himself to Paul? He revealed himself to Paul as the one who died on the cross, but who is alive and in whose death and resurrection has fulfilled everything that Paul's Bible has told him was gonna happen through the Messiah. Paul, look, 
I'm here. It's me. It's real. I'm alive. Jesus showed him that he is the resurrected one. And if he's resurrected from the dead, then everything that he said about himself and his purpose for being here is true. My third question was, why would Jesus reveal himself to unlikely people like Paul and like us? It's because he loved him and it had a purpose for him. Remember when Ananias came uh, to Paul, this was three days after Paul had seen Jesus and he was blinded and, and Paul had spent three days in darkness, in prayer, uh, presumably talking to God in, as the one he now understands has come in Jesus, probably asking him, what, what, what is all this, God? What have you done? Reviewing his Old Testament scriptures and starting to see Jesus in, in them all as he sits there in blindness. Ananias comes to him and says, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, having called on his name. He invited him, uh, now that Paul has called on Jesus as his Messiah, he invited him now to show that faith in his uh, baptism for you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. So here's, here's why Jesus would reveal himself to Paul. I, I think it's in Ananias' words. He, he said, the God of our fathers appointed you. He revealed himself to Paul because God wanted Paul. He desired him. He loved him. He, he wanted him. And so he came to him. Here I am. Secondly, because God wanted Paul to know Jesus. And Ananias said that God appointed you to know his will, to see the righteousness, the righteous one with your own eyes and to hear the words from his mouth. God wanted Paul to know Jesus, to know him for real, personally. Thirdly, because God wanted Paul to know forgiveness through Jesus. When he offered him to be baptized and wash away your sins, he wasn't saying that baptism would wash away his sins. Baptism was a picture for God's people of what God had done through Christ to wash away their sins. He wanted Paul to know the forgiveness of all of his sins, including all the deaths he caused of God's people including the persecution of Jesus himself. God wanted him to know that he was forgiven. And then God wanted other unlikely people to know Jesus and his forgiveness as well. You will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. Why would Jesus reveal himself to you and to me? Because he wants us. Because he wants us to know Jesus. Because he wants us to be forgiven and know it. And he wants to send us to tell others the good news that they too can know him.
and have forgiveness for their sin. All of us were taught at some point in our science classes about uh, Nicholas Copernicus, that 16th century mathematician. He was brilliant. He was a mathematician. He was a medical doctor. He was a lawyer. Uh, we, we were all taught about how uh, Nicholas Com Copernicus published a new way of seeing the universe that not only revolutionized science, but revolutionized the way that all of us today understand the universe. Up to that time, everyone believed that everything revolved around the earth. But the work of Copernicus and others after him revealed a whole new way of seeing our place in the universe. They discovered that all of our planets, including the earth, revolve around the sun. And now, almost 500 years later, it's, it's hard for us to imagine that anyone could have believed anything else. And so now today, we use this phrase, Copernican revolution, to describe how seeing one thing can change the way we see everything else. The man we now call the Apostle Paul had a Copernican revolution before it was cool. When he saw Jesus of Nazareth raised from the dead, everything changed. And that's my final question. What changed? What changed about Saul after seeing Jesus for who he really is? And what changes about unlikely people like you and me who see and submit to Jesus? Just, just a couple of things that changed about Paul. Simply stopped going in the direction he was headed. And he launched on a new trajectory and direction in his life. The Bible calls that repentance, turning from a direction away from God to Jesus and moving toward God. He, he just stopped changing direction. Has that kind of change happened in your life because you have seen Jesus? He believed that Jesus was his only hope to be righteous. Paul saw that Jesus is the righteous one. Remember, Ananias said, that God wanted him to see the righteous one himself who would bear the punishment for Paul's sins and then credit his own Jesus righteousness to Paul's account. And, and where does this idea of a righteous one come from? It comes from Isaiah 53, verse 11, where Paul, uh, God is talking about the Messiah, his suffering servant, and he says, by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteousness righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. What changed in Paul is that rather than working for his own righteousness, he received the righteousness given to him by Jesus in exchange for the sins that Jesus took upon himself. He no longer was self-righteous. He was dependent on Jesus for his righteousness. What else changed about him? He started to want to do what Jesus wanted him to do. He asked the question, what shall I do, Lord? And whatever Jesus told him, he did. Has that kind of change taken place in us? Do we want to do what Jesus wants us to do? And then notice this, another change. He was reconciled 
to other followers of Jesus and received into their community. This is crazy. The one who sought to arrest and kill them was now their brother. Ananias called him Brother Saul. Brother Saul. And we know from his other uh, descriptions in his letters of what happened right after this moment when Jesus revealed himself, Paul stayed in Damascus and was discipled by uh, the, the believers in Damascus for a while. He joined their community. He became brother to the brothers and sisters whom he considered enemies of God. And there's something else about Paul becoming part of this body of believers. When Jesus said, why do you persecute me? Paul had to have been thinking, I've been persecuting someone, but not you. I've been persecuting these, these people who believe that Jesus of Nazareth is, is the Messiah. And Jesus said something here to Paul that completely transformed Paul's understanding of who the people of God are. And it shows up in Ephesians and every other letter that Paul writes. Jesus was saying to Paul, no, if you persecute any of my followers, you are persecuting me. We are that united. To persecute them is to persecute me. To love them is to love me. Paul was now caught up into this new community, the true community of God's people. Another change was that he received a new calling for his life, a new mission, and that was to go to reveal Jesus to other unlikely people, the Gentiles. Um, you, you notice that at the end of what I read this morning, as soon as he said that Jesus had sent him to go take this news to the Gentiles, it says that at that word that he was being sent to Gentiles, they stopped listening and they said, away with this man. He doesn't deserve to live. He had a new mission. And he was going to the people that he always thought were the unlikely ones. The one who thought he was most likely to know and see the Messiah was now being sent to those whom he considered impossible to know the Messiah. And the last change that I want to mention is that Paul became willing to suffer the same ridicule and violence that he himself brought upon Jesus and his followers. Just before this little speech, he had already been beaten for preaching the gospel, for claiming that Jesus was the Messiah. What would make a man change that way? To become willing to be beaten and abused and chained and sent off in the same way that he had treated others. He had to have known that Jesus was who he said he was. You see, Paul didn't decide that following Jesus would be helpful. He didn't decide that following Jesus would make his life better. He decided to follow Jesus because he's true. 
because Jesus presented himself as he is in truth. Here I am. What else could Paul do? And everything he suffered after that, he suffered in the light of all that God is for him in Jesus. And he knew that nothing could separate him. None of the horrific things that he did to others that are now being done to him could ever separate him from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I have an atheist friend who once said to me, if Jesus is real, then may he come into my apartment and roundhouse kick me in the chest and show himself to me. If Jesus is real, let him come through my door and kick me in the chest and say, I'm real. Quit messing around. That's what he said to me. And let's be honest. Don't we wonder why Jesus doesn't do that for us? Why doesn't he do what he did for Paul for us and just show up and show himself? Well, Paul said that he was an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And if you remember, in order to be an apostle, you had to have seen the risen Christ. You had to have seen Jesus raised from the dead. And these men were chosen by Jesus to see him alive and to be a witness of his resurrection to the rest of the world. That's what Paul was chosen to do. And the way Jesus revealed himself to Paul and the apostles was not the normal way that he reveals himself to people now. He did it for them, but that's not the usual way he does it now. The normal, the usual way Jesus reveals himself now is through the eyewitness testimony of Paul and the other apostles that we have in what they've written in the New Testament. This is how Jesus chose to reveal himself to unlikely Gentiles like us. Do we, do, we, do we think about this? We are those Gentiles to whom Paul was sent to testify about Jesus. The only reason we know who Jesus is and that he is alive and that he died for our sins is because we have the testimony of Paul and the other apostles. We're the unlikely ones to whom Jesus has shown himself. And so I want to close by asking you this. Are you convinced that the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will? Are you convinced that he's appointed you to see Jesus, the righteous one, and to hear a word from his mouth through these, through these words? And I ask you the question that Ananias asked Paul. And now why do you wait? Why do you wait? Believe him. Trust him as the one who will wash away your sin. And live a Copernican revolution in light of what Jesus has revealed about himself to you through his word. And then... If he has revealed himself to you and you have embraced and trust him, trusted him as he's revealed to you in the scriptures, then go.
be a witness to other unlikely people like you. Let's do that together, shall we? Let me pray. Father, would you uh, continue to show us Jesus in your word and at this table and in our fellowship together and let us be people who have been revolutionized by that revelation. People who are completely different, who embrace Jesus not because he's helpful or makes us feel better. He, he is helpful and sometimes he does make us feel better. No, but because he's real, he's true. The testimony about him is true. Because we've seen him. We see everything differently. Help us to be that people at Mountain Fellowship, we ask. In Christ's name, amen.